Today's must-listen episode of Home Care Heroes features Shelly Sun, the CEO and founder of the $700 million home care agency, Bright Star Care. Shelly's team commissioned a study proving that their home care interventions result in medical cost savings averaging over $8,000 and in some cases up to $29,000 per patient. Enjoy. Welcome to the Home Care Heroes podcast, featuring trending topics and practical wisdom for success in home care. Here's your host, Ken Accardi. Well, hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us on another episode today of the Home Care Heroes podcast. We have a very special guest today whose name is Shelly Sun, and Shelly is with Bright Star Care. And we have a really interesting topic, and the bottom line is that Bright Star Care took the initiative to partner with a company called Avalier and study the impact that they were able to have on actually preventing hospitalizations and really, you know, improving health outcomes for for folks. And I think this is, you know, really, really important because sometimes in the world of non-medical home care, the, the healthcare community doesn't give us the credit we deserve. And so here, and we, we all know that we, you know, make such a great impact, but Bright Star has gone out and they've proven it. And that's what, she- what Shelly is going to talk to us about today. And I'm really, really excited about it. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Shelly Sun. Thank you very much, Ken. Great to be here. Well, it's great to have you. So um, before we get into it, you know, tell us your story a little bit. Uh, tell us about you, you know, where you're from, where you calling in from. Tell us about your home care journey. Uh, lay it out for us. Sure. I mean, I'm Born and bred in Knoxville, Tennessee, so I'm a Southern gal who is transplanted to Illinois, raising uh, my teenage boys. Um, and I got into this healthcare journey by looking for care for my grandmother, um, and she needed medical and non-medical care. And we were unable to find one service provider that could provide both with the quality that we were willing to pay for and the service that we expected. Um, and really needed uh, for you know, running busy lives. And she lived in Florida. We lived in Illinois. So um, we weren't able to find what we probably were looking for. We lost um, our grandmother in early 2002, so 20 years ago. And that start me on a, started me on a path of how could I solve uh, for other families what we had been looking for ourselves. And I, my background was as a CPA. I had been working in various finance and accounting leadership roles in various different industries, but including CNA Insurance and Blue Cross Blue Shield. So around the medical areas, around the insurance areas, but more in a finance and accounting um, function. Um, and but the mission and passion with which trying to impact and take care of our moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas was my driving force 20 years ago. It still is today. Um, we you know, have grown over the years. Um, I did our own company, own locations, 2002 to 2005, and got us up to three. And I chose to franchise our business model. Um, so we've got over 350 locations serving about 15 to 20,000 families, employing a similar number of caregivers across our franchisee and company-owned network. Uh, generating about $700 million in annual revenue. So we've, you know, dramatically, you know, scaled with time, but I think it's based upon the premise of high quality, high service orientation and doing what is necessary for our clients to have the highest quality care and have a quality of life at home uh, that we're willing to invest in so that they can have that. 
Yeah, that's fantastic. And thank you for running all that down for us. I think you already gave us part of the answer and why you're different and, you know, what inspired you in the first place. But why don't we start with the question of, you know, what inspired you to go out and do this study with Avalier to really figure out the impact that you or that Brightstar in particular could have on these families? Yeah, we, we um, believed that because we are joint commission accredited in all of our locations, we are the only brand that has enterprise champion for quality designation every year since that award has been given by joint commission. Um, so we've had it for 10 years in a row now. All of our locations have a registered nurse director of nursing, and we've invested in technology that we've been utilizing for 17, 18 years of data to be able to know what our health outcomes are when our hospital, when our client leaves for hospitalization, if there was an ED visit, um, et cetera, we have built in technology so that we can prevent a negative outcome by having our caregivers in the home um, alert our directors of nursing that there was a change of condition uh, so we can act proactively around the quality of care. Um, and so I think knowing that though we were making those investments and kind of how we operate on a day-to-day basis, how did we prove that it was making an impact so that we can get the rate that we need from the payers such that we can continue investing in that type of quality? It doesn't come cheap to be joint commission accredited. It doesn't come cheap to have a registered nurse involved in every single um, case with a individualized plan of uh, plan of care and assessment up front, supervisory visits ongoing, and counseling of our caregivers on the front line, particularly, um, you know, getting involved if there's a change in condition. And so those things, you know, have to be funded in some form or fashion. But I understand payers don't want to pay for something if you can't demonstrate that you can save them money elsewhere. Um, So we, you know, started looking at this in 2019. Um, We actually made the investment in 2020, kind of right after the pandemic started. Because I believed that what we would see is that more people would want to remain at home um, in in the future and that more care would move into the home. We saw that over the last two years, hospital at home demonstration projects, skilled nursing facility alternatives, demonstration projects. And those are going to have payers that are going to leverage personal care because we are the eyes and ears and feet um, in the home. They are going to leverage us to want to have these interactions Uh, with their insureds. And what we're going to need to do is be able to demonstrate that by utilizing us for a certain amount of time, we can actually offset our cost because we can save elsewhere and prevent a negative negative outcome. So this study was really critical to demonstrate what we believed, which is Brightstar is absolutely the higher standard and the quality that we deliver. But a lot of companies try to say that. We believe we were the only company that could prove that. We believe we're the only one that has the type of data quantity um, and the um, interactions between caregiver and client and all of those data um, aspects on a condition basis, because we track this for um, over 30 healthcare conditions to say, how did our costs and outcomes compare to the normal Medicare population for similar demographic and similar health condition? Our average savings was 13,000 across those 30 or more healthcare conditions, and we had savings up to 30,000. So um, we knew that we were doing the right things. We need to get credit for us and for our franchisees and the rates that we get reimbursed for, because we know we are doing things and delivering results better than anyone else in the industry. We need to be able to prove that. Wow, that's um, really, really ambitious. And I, I think it's great. And yeah, I mean, you have the data to prove it. 
And so let's I mean, move on. And I think you've told us a little bit about this. I mean, the the numbers, the conditions and things like that. But, you know, tell us maybe a little bit more about who is Avalier and what did you learn in the study? Yeah, Avalier is a very well-recognized um, uh, consulting, healthcare consulting firm with access and contracts with um, CMS for access to all of the Medicare payer information. Uh, so they're taking our unique patient identifier and matching it up to the Medicare claims and all of our demographic data to med- match it up to Medicare claims so that we can do a statistically relevant sample of our consumer population that we care for on those healthcare conditions compared to others that would have lived in the same area, same age, same comorbidity type of issues to be able to see how we did compared to the rest of the population with which to then have Avalier, who's well-regarded, publish the study. We're licensing their study. Um, So it's not us taking some of their information, publishing our own study. And I think that is what kind of makes it compelling and unique. I heard about Avalier because um, Paul from Emeticis, who's now since retired and Chris Gerard is the CEO and president, but Paul had mentored me for a few years and they had done a lot of Avalier studies, again, to prove their outcomes as they were seeing more value-based purchasing contracts come down um, as an opportunity. And they needed to make sure that their organization was leaning into that seeing them do that made me think, okay, how could we do this? And so my chief strategy officer began having discussions with Avalier. What are the ways we could use our data? Because we have a lot of it. How can we use our data to be able to validate the benefits that we believe we had? It was a big risk. I mean, it's a six-figure study. It's not for the faint of heart. It was very expensive, worth it, but expensive. Um, we didn't know if, what that result was going to be. I had a huge conviction that I believed it was going to demonstrate as it did that we made a huge positive impact on outcomes and reduced costs elsewhere in the uh, um, cost of care continuum. But we didn't know that when we did it. Um, and so, but the study helped us validate that. And Avalier having access to, as the, I think the only company that has access to all of the Medicare claims data um, in the licensing from CMS allowed us to be able to use that to compare over 65 population and the impact we're making with them. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so, and I, I, it's great that you talked through that about some of the statistical methods and things using. So, you know, you actually did a randomized control trial and, you know, you have the statistical backing and the independent research and that, you know, they're essentially comparing, um, okay, we had this intervention that's called the Bright Star Care Intervention. And then we have a population of patients who didn't get that uh, intervention and we're able to, you know, kind of use that as a natural experiment and, you know, and, and really, you know, prove doing it. And those things do cost a lot of money. And, you know, so it was a big investment on your part and it looks like um, it's paid off for you. Uh, so that's fantastic. So I guess, I mean, as a result of that, I think a, a great question would be, I mean, what does this mean to you? And like, how are you prioritizing what you do and, you know, and how you're you're changing your messaging and everything as a result of, you know, what you've been able to prove? Yeah, we have a large national accounts program. So about 25% to 35% of our system-wide revenue is with large-scale um, national um, payers, um, either in the um, Medicare Advantage space, the infusion space, long-term care, uh, workers' comp, um, as major categories of kind of who we do business with, uh, Medicare Home Health, with Emeticis, we have a preferred partnership, some of the large hospital systems 
or doing trials and demonstration projects on hospital at home um, and skilled nursing facility alternatives. So we're using our data as a door opener. Don't just take the industry's word for it that we make a difference and we could pay for ourselves. Let's actually uh, demonstrate to you that we can. And then let's collaborate on where your most costly patient populations are and utilize our information as to what our cost savings are on each of the healthcare conditions where you're wanting to have the biggest impact. And let's take our healthcare protocols and our client um, interventions and be able to match that up to where you have the biggest need. And so we've definitely opened a lot of doors. We've signed a lot of contracts. We have a lot of business that's already started and, and is in pipeline based upon the Avalier study. Yeah, fantastic. So let me... Uh, go a little bit off script. We talked a little bit about what we talk about on this, but a few things have just really sparked my curiosity here. So we know that probably the overarching challenge of our industry is recruiting and retaining great caregivers and things like that. And it sounds like, you know, part of the culture and I guess more of the process procedures at Bright Star Care is to, you know, do this more experience level of training on, you know, how to detect changes in conditions and things like that. And, you know, and that is a key to detecting preventable hospitalizations and things like that. So, you know, what are, what are some of the things that, you know, an aide who's just been with you for a short period of time is able to learn? And do they like, for example, you know, are they understanding these 30 conditions and health conditions or things like that? Or, you know, how are you able to provide that kind of training? Yeah, we have a decentralized learning management uh, system to be able to train the caregivers via the franchisees or via our local company-owned location so that they are developing unique uh, knowledge as to how to provide the best care on a health condition-specific basis. They also have a dedicated director of nursing that's mentoring them. Um, coaching them and doing supervisory visits in the home with them uh, to make sure they understand how they can make a big impact. And I think it's really helped us. We have one of the highest retention levels, kind of the opposite look from glass half full versus glass half empty um, of turnover, but we have one of the best you know, metrics in the industry. And I think that's, that's, a, that's from a few different vantage points. I think caregivers want to make a difference in the patients that they take care of and having the ability to have access to this knowledge base a director of nursing and the technology allows them to help provide great care and really feel the impact if they are able to identify a change in condition so they can help a senior not have to go to a hospital. No one wants to get into an ambulance and go to the emergency department. And if we can prevent that through what we've built through process, technology, training and nurse oversight um, that allows our caregivers to make a greater difference. Obviously, you know, paying them fair market wage and recognizing the great work they do is table stakes. But I think we do differentiate that we have the clinical competency and local coaching and mentoring and training programs to invest in them and create for them a career pathing so they can continue to progress and feel great about what they do each and every day. Yeah, fantastic. And I mean, you haven't been shy about, you know, talking about, I mean, how Bright Star Care has made the investments and is different and the accreditation and all that kind of thing. But I mean, let's be a little bit blunt here for a minute. I mean, there's, you know, I've heard numbers, 25,000, 28,000 home care agencies providing non-medical care in the country. I mean, do you think that agencies, you know, that your kind of run-of-the-mill agency can do what Brightstar is doing? And if, if not, why or why not? I think it'd be very difficult to not do it if you don't have scale. One, most home care agencies 
don't have a registered nurse as part of their permanent team. They may bring in someone on a per diem basis for things here and there, but as part of it as a dedicated team, they're probably not making that investment. Most national providers um, in this space are not using one technology platform that's mandated across all of their locations to be able to really have the data necessary to be able to do what we've just done with Avalier. Because uh, you can't pick and choose. You can't say 40% of my network is using this technology and therefore we're going to do the data study. Avalier would never sign off on that because arguably, if you only have 40% of your network compliant on using one particular technology, they are your best and brightest. And so then you're going to mislead the public and mislead payers that all locations are going to be as good as the 40% that are using a certain technology. So the fact that we're able to provide data on 100% of our locations across our network is what gave Avalier the confidence to be able to use their brand name and enter into uh, the work and effort to do a study with us. So I don't think it's for the faint of heart. I'm I'm fortunate. I mean, I, I've been at this 20 years. I still love what I do. I still am the day-to-day CEO of my brand, but I still own 100% of my company 20 years later um, at this size and scale because I still love it and I'm still passionate and I will still do it for at least another decade. Um, I have a lot of energy and a lot of passion for what we do. And if we can serve more families, that feels like a huge honor to be able to make a difference in the families' lives that we serve. And I think it takes size and scale to do that well, because I think it do, does take technology. I do, do think it takes uh, does take um, um, policies and procedures and um, investments in training uh, for the frontline workforce to do it well, and in a clinical network to help guide that along. And as we've made money, we've reinvested it back into our system. Yeah, fantastic. So let me hit you with another one of these curveballs is I tend to believe that if we look at the numbers, they're pretty staggering. We, if I, I usually use as a benchmark how many 80-year-olds there are in the country, and today there's around 13 million 80-year-olds in the country. And if we look at the curves, we're going to see that number grow to around 40 million 80-year-olds in the next 20 years. So we're, you know, coming up on tripling the size of our market. And again, you know, here we are in 2022, and we're all saying that uh, getting caregivers. Uh, is, you know, is our biggest challenge and that kind of thing. So, you know, you've talked about, you know, being really technology first and using the right technology, but um, I think that part of the solution is going to have to be, you know, using some technology for keeping tabs on our folks when we're not in the home. And I I wanted to see first, if you agree with that, and if you have any, um, you know, if you have any plans in place that'll actually do some monitoring when, you know, when you can't have a caregiver there, um, you know, at the time. Yeah, I think there's no substitute for one-on-one care, particularly as you think about the social determinants of care. Um, and so I think that's really important, but I think there will be, to your point, a need for blending one-on-one care with monitoring in the less active hours during sleep, um, which probably is having um, physical monitors on kind of whether the, the, the bed has been laid in or someone's gotten out of the bed. So you're, you're monitoring during some of those movements to make sure there's not a fall. Um, So I think, I think leveraging some technology will be important. I think what COVID has done and is helpful in terms of the future of the healthcare industry needing to move more into the home. I think it is waking up people that it is beneficial to pay for some of these type of services. And so we did a pilot in 2019 before COVID on utilizing kind of this combination of remote monitoring. And we found that most consumers were not willing to pay for it. 
and most payers weren't paying for it then. I believe we're entering into a period of time where payers will pay for that monitoring when caregivers are not in the home. And I think that's what will be necessary because I think most families don't feel like with our health care system in the country, they should have to pay for that monitoring. They might have to pay in some form or fashion for the one-on-one care, but what is the augmentation with technology that allows caregivers to go further to provide one-on-one care to more families um, with a combination of um, physical interaction and remote monitoring to keep someone safe. And uh, so I think there's a, I think there's a technology component that will be helpful to meet the uh, supply side shortages that we will have. I also think the benefit though of home care is I think more people will not probably want to work in institutional settings where they are delivering care for one to many and being exposed to what we just went through with a pandemic and will prefer a one-on-one care setting. So I think there will be shifts in worker population out of institutional settings to the home, which will be beneficial for us. At the same time, more demand will occur for more consumers wanting to be at home. Now the payers, both government and commercial insurance, need to shift to make sure we can allow that to occur through appropriate payment mechanisms and looking at outcomes so you make sure that there's a funding mechanism for it. Perfect. All right. Well, listen, uh, I think that there's been a lot of food for thought here. People are going to learn a lot from this podcast and I appreciate you doing it, but just to wrap up, you know, how could folks learn a little bit more about this Avalier study that you've done and also about Bright Star Care? Sure. So the Avalier study is hosted on their website. So avalier.com. And then for more information um, on Bright Star, brightstarcare.com. All right. I think with that, we're in a great shape to uh, wrap it up for today. And I really do appreciate you. And uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us today on Home Care Heroes. Thanks, Ken. Thanks for joining us today on the Home Care Heroes podcast. Home Care Heroes is produced by Ancoda, the software for the heroes of home care. You can listen to back episodes by visiting forhomecareheroes.com. That's the number four, then the words homecareheroes.com.